Now, let me ask you this question. What do you get when you get a group of highly motivated people together that for the past 50 days have been going after their goals? And then you bring in a high performance coach who's an expert at helping people crush their goals. Well, I'll tell you what you get. You get this conversation that you're about to listen to, a sneak peek conversation into the private TDJ Mastermind group and the conversation that we had with the founder of the 100-Day Challenge, Gary Ryan Blair. So let's dive in right now. Welcome to the Doer's Journey podcast, the podcast that will motivate and inspire you to not only be a hearer, but to start being a doer. Because you know deep in your heart that there's so much more in you. The purpose of each episode is to provide you with actionable steps that you can take to assist you in your journey towards your goals. We will have topics that are relevant to you, and you'll hear from experts and influencers that will provide you with information you can take action on. I'm your host, Carlos Frank. Now let's be doers and dive into this episode. All right. Hey, 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 TDJ family. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. And I'm so glad that you're here listening to this podcast right now. I count it as an honor that you're listening and I appreciate you for taking time and investing in yourself so you can become the best version of yourself so you can go out there and not just be a hearer but also be a doer. So listen, we're about to listen into a private conversation that I had with Gary Ryan Blair and my TDJ Mastermind group. Now, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that the Doer's Journey Mastermind group that I'm talking about is a group of people that got together with me at the beginning of the year. And for the first 100 days, we set goals, we made plans to accomplish the goals, and now we're going after them. And you would be amazed at some of the goals that have already been set and crushed. I mean, we got people uh, creating five-figure investment portfolios or adding five figures to their investment portfolios, to their savings. They're improving their marriages. Some people are getting ready to close on another investment property. We got a doctor who's come in. And he's uh, he's improved the cash flow in his business. We got an author. We have a student who's going after 4.0 GPA. Uh, we got business owners all over the place just creating massive results. And with that, there was actually a foundation and a structure that we were using called the 100 Day Challenge. And the creator of that challenge, his name is Gary Ryan Blair. And Gary was actually on a past episode with me right before the beginning of the year. It was episode 37. And that episode was called How to Set, Plan and Crush Your Goals with the 100 Day Challenge. But anyway, I shared with Gary, I was able to get on the phone with him and I was emailing him back and forth and we were talking about all the things that were being created within the TDJ Mastermind and Gary was so impressed, he was actually gracious enough to join us on a private Zoom call that we had with the Mastermind group. So what you're about to hear are some excerpts from that conversation and some tips that Gary shared with us because I brought him on to talk to us about how to finish these last days strong and how we can make sure that we really go after our goals and we crush them. And Gary over delivered. 
he dropped so much knowledge on us that I wanted to make sure I just had to share this with you. So buckle in and take out a pen and paper because I'm telling you, you're about to hear some things that you're going to be able to apply right away. And of course, that's what we do here on the doer's journey. We're not just going to be hearers of this. We're going to go out there and be doers. So now you're about to jump into the middle of the conversation that the TDJ mastermind group was having with Gary. And you're going to hear the things we talked about. Things like why LeBron James doesn't do the laundry, how to use OPM and how to leverage your time. And Gary also talks to us about how to reframe things like imposter syndrome. So let's dive into this conversation now. There was an article that I wrote a couple of years back and it really, it's got a lot of, a lot of traction. It's called LeBron James doesn't do the laundry. And obviously titles, I think all that stuff's important, but the, the point that I was making in there is very simple as this, is that, you know, Frank Sinatra, I, I, I'm quite confident he didn't tune the piano. He played the piano, he performed. And if you look at Serena Williams, I think it's been a long time since she has probably cleaned the tennis court and collected the balls around the court. And the same thing is true as you start to go through and you think about LeBron James, he's not driving the bus, flying the plane, cooking the meals, doing the laundry. He's not doing any of that stuff. And what I want to share with everybody is, in my opinion, the single best business model that you will ever find in your life is a professional athlete. And the reason for that is a professional athlete, essentially, and I mean, there's a number of them that are in this program right now. They're friends of mine. They, there's an entire ecosystem around them that allows them to do one thing, and that is to perform with excellence. So they have their chefs, there's a driver, there's somebody who's, who's training, who's doing the massage, the massage, and everything else that comes along with them. But their entire environment is designed to maximize their core strength. And that's a very important thing, because very often many of us are engaged in a lot of different activities. I realized myself, and this was very helpful for me when I finally came to the understanding that I really only need to do three things. And this is all I do. I create content. I'm constantly writing. I'm thinking about it. I'm taking notes and all that type of stuff. But that's just part of the, 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 the concept, the research and the creation. I market content. So I don't leave that to anybody else. I make the phone calls. I engage in the joint ventures. I do all the negotiations and everything else that comes along with that. And then I also, <clears throat> I deliver content. That's what I would consider this to be. So you're not going to see me answering the phone or running around doing a whole, whole, whole bunch of other stuff. And it's not because it's beneath me. Trust me. I, you know, I, I grew up in a, you know, a, a lower middle-class family. I know what it's like to get in the dirt and, you know, roll, roll around the mud. I have no problem with it either. But, uh, but the reality is in order, what I've come to realize is that my, if I'm going to make the greatest impact that I can during my lifetime, I have to narrow my focus. And I use what I call the rule of three. And that's pretty much what it is. You'll also notice that a lot of the lesson plans revolve around three words, success, love, speed. And you start to kind of go through a variety of different things and you'll see those things kind of repeated TNT today, not tomorrow and all that type of stuff. But I wanted to touch on that. The other, you mentioned leverage. So here's another way of looking at leverage that was a fun module to put together because 
for a lot of folks, I, I think we hear the word leverage, but we really don't understand what it is. And it, it, fundamentally, it is, it, it's the greatest gift that you could give yourself because you're getting maximum return from the smallest amount of effort. And that's the right way to go about doing it. It really is. Well, let me give everybody kind of a, a quick little education, or at least the way that I see it. I want you to think about a word, three letters, L-A-M. You write it down. It stands for leverage plus acceleration equals multiplication. And at the end of the day, you've got to decide, are you playing a game? And trust me when I say this, everybody's playing a game. The game you're playing is either addition, subtraction, division, or multiplication. So if anyone's been through a divorce, I haven't, but I have plenty of friends and I know what it is. You're basically probably playing for a certain portion of your life, a game of division. You're dividing assets, dividing time, dividing a whole host of different things. And when you're unfocused, you're dividing your time and focus over a variety of assets and so forth. But most people play an incremental game of addition, one plus one plus one plus one. And they go that they think in a very linear type fashion. I like to play the game of multiplication. And what I'm going to walk you through will make all the sense in the world. So leverage plus acceleration equals multiplication. So you have to sit back and ask yourself, what are the things that you can leverage? There's probably around five to seven key things on a day-to-day -day basis that you can do. So when you, when you go through it, I'll kind of, I'll start off with, the, with, with, with a letter and that being O. So <clears throat> essentially, let's just say we're going to invest in a company, a stock, if you will. That would be considered OPM. This is what happens when a company goes public. You, um, everybody else on this call will toss a hundred bucks into the hat and bang, the company essentially will leverage our, our collective investment. What do they do? Well, from a financial standpoint, it's basically called a burn rate. It allows you to go further faster, essentially. So you have a faster burn rate. Look at it just from the, just the opposite. When you don't have cash, you go, you don't go anywhere slow. You're not making all that much progress. So that the money that comes in for an IPO is an accelerator, if you will. As a result of that, there's a multiplication factor. You grow in multiple. So when a company goes public, you see exponential growth. It happens pretty quick. So what are the other things that we can do? Well, I've kind of realized that, you know what? There's OP, you start to go through this OPK. This is other people's knowledge. This is why. You know, you made an investment in this program, and I hope you're getting a, a massive return, not just, you know, whatever small investment you made, but hundreds of times. I mean, I, I'm a big believer that you want to stack the deck in the odds of, in the, um, for, for the client, for the, for the people you're doing business with. So the, the fact is, it's just this, is that I hear people say all the time that there's no shortcuts to success. And I'll tell you this much, it, it's a lie. It really is. The reality is there's lots of shortcuts. And the best one is OPK. If you can get around a smart person, someone who's experienced, who's grown a business, who's whatever outcome that you're looking for, if you can align yourself with this person somehow, you can get decades worth of knowledge. And I'll give you an example. I, uh, I'm part of an investment group and you know, I've got a healthy portfolio, but I'm probably the poorest one in there because some of these guys are billionaires. And when you learn about some of the tactics and some of the strategies and for taxes and for growth, you know, I sit back and I'm like, my God, where, I mean, I wish I learned this when I was, you know, 15, 16, 18, I'm teaching it to my own, my, to my kids right now. But essentially what these guys have done through leveraging their knowledge, my portfolio has grown exponentially, especially during this coronavirus. 
So you can leverage people's knowledge as an accelerator, if you will. You have OPE. This is other people's efforts. This is what network marketing is based upon. But quite frankly, this is what a lot of things in life is. You know, you hire people to do other tasks. And as long as they're competent and they do the right job, again, it becomes a multiplier, an accelerator for you. That lesson on leverage is one that you should go back and revisit because once you understand that, life changes. And I really do, I really do mean that. It's, it's a powerful one. Um, there was no grand scheme. You know, I, I went through trying to put this program together as what comes first, what comes second, where do I put here? The only thing I was, I was certain of was the first one. And when you get to the end, the last three, I was absolutely positive about. So you, I won't take, I won't pin, you know, I'll pull the pin on that one just yet. So you'll enjoy it. Let me see a couple other things. Success loves speed. All right, let's talk about that for just a moment. Um, I'm not a big believer in running around with your hair on fire. That's not the kind of speed that I'm talking about. But you mentioned that you just went through purge as well the day before yesterday. So it was, it was leverage and purge and so forth. Um, purge probably could have been titled purging and pruning for the simple reason that, you know, not everything can be purged. You know, sometimes you have family members and so forth, but you can prune them, if you will, like you would prune a bush. You trim it back in terms of the time or the energy that you give it. But still, that being said, the beautiful thing about this idea of success love speed is that, you know, once you start pruning excuses, procrastination, indecision, um, you name the behavior, whatever it is, the net result, it, ought, it, 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 it automatically provides you with a net, 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 you know, uh, positive benefit, which is speed. You will be more productive. You will get more stuff done faster. It will be much more efficient. It's just kind of the way that it goes. So in many cases, one of the things you want to do is sit back and say to yourself is, what can we eliminate? It, truly, because I'm a bit, I, my belief is this, is that very often when I get taught something, I always go the adverse direction. So when someone tells me that empowerment are all the things that you can do for a team or an organization, my mind says, well, what if I did just the opposite? And what about if I took things away? So here's an example. You know, years back, we go into a department store. And this is, we're going back, you know, some of you may be too young to even remember this. Um, but if, if the poor cash register, the, the, the cashier made a mistake, they would, uh, they probably have to wait for Quasimodo in the back room with a big keychain to come up and all the customers would wait in line waiting for them to, uh, for this person to come in, type in the magic code and off they go. So if you want to make the whole organization much more efficient, what do you do? You get rid of Quasimodo. You eliminate everything that could slow the organization down. So in my opinion, empowerment is not what you do, you know, for yourself. <clears throat> it's what you remove from yourself. What are all the things that you can do in your organization, your day-to-day -day life that you could remove from the equation? And by doing so, Again, the net result is going to be, you will be much more empowered. You will be much more effective. You will move much quicker in terms of the things that you do. And, and I, I've got to remind everybody, this is a, uh, a one and done scenario. We don't get a second bite of the apple, you know? So we've got to be really smart as to how we invest our time, how we behave, the habits we create and everything that comes along with it. So 
that's that. Let me see if I have anything else down here. Uh, that's all I picked up at the very beginning. Okay, so finish strong. Well, Gary. I get Gary, before you go along there, and I really, man, I appreciate you taking notes. That that was awesome. Because my prayer for, for any time I do a podcast, anything like this, any type of conversation, is we have the agenda. I wrote it down. I text it to you. But I believe you're talking about what you need. You're talking about now because it needs to be said. So I do want to ask this because this is one conversation we had a, a really good conversation around in the group. And that was this feeling of imposter syndrome. Now, I, I don't I can't recall if that's been one of the lessons or not or if how you've touched on that. But when you set goals like a lot of our family members here have set in the TDJ community, I mean, they're big goals. And now they're at the brink of actually getting what they've been wishing for, you know, pushing for. But then they get to that moment of, oh, man. You know, am I worth this? Am I really capable of doing this? Can you talk a little bit about that? How you've maybe overcome that in your own personal life or how you've coached somebody around imposter syndrome? Yeah, um, I don't care who it is. You know, we all have feelings and wonder, are we worth this? Should we have this? Uh, and all this type of stuff. I don't know if that ever goes away. I don't even want to be bothered with it, quite frankly. What I like to do is kind of draw correlations and then implant those things in my mind. So to give you an idea, um, we've raised three really self-confident kids. And what I, what I tell people is that, especially for, and, and it, it wasn't an accident. There was a lot of work, a lot of love, and a lot of trial and error that went along with it. But I always looked at my kids' minds as like wet cement, and to give you an idea what I mean by that is when, you know, outside of our house, uh, I've got a place in Florida, New York. Outside of our place in Florida, that's the house that we built. When, um, when we laid down the cement out by the pool filter, I just wanted to put down our date. And it was just three of us, my wife, myself, and my, my oldest son at that point in time. And we all put our handprints in there. We put this and we had two dogs. We put the dog prints in there as well. And the funny thing about wet cement is that it hardens and I could go out and still see it. That looks just as fresh today as it did, I don't know, 14 years ago when we, we first put that thing up. Um, and to me, the developing psyche of a young child is very much the same way. You have a limited amount of time to lay down a track and that track essentially is going to be beliefs. They're going to be, you know, uh, uh, their self-esteem It's going to be a whole host of things. And when that hardens, it's very difficult to kind of change that, that perspective. But as we get older, I, I think very often we're, we're operating on tracks that we need to kind of blow up a little bit, maybe need to go back and reprogram and think about. So first off, let me touch on this. One of the best things for learning any new topic, and I don't care what anyone's in, this is not to undermine any profession from medicine or what have you, everything goes through three phases. It's hard, it's difficult, it is mentally taxing and demanding at the beginning. So look at it this way. Everything is hard at the beginning. Unfortunately, that's what most people do is they quit, usually when things get difficult. Next, everything is messy in the middle. That's when you're making mistakes, but at least you're making progress. You're not smooth, you're not sophisticated, you're not clean or any of that stuff, but you're working your way through it. 
And when you finally bust through, it's easy. So that goes, and that's the beautiful part about all the work that we do, but everything goes that way. I don't know how to code. I could care less, but if I started today, I promise you, it would be hard. It would be difficult. It would be demanding. And I would want to quit very quickly. It's just the way that it goes. And that goes for learning the guitar, learning any new task or anything else. So if we remind ourselves and plant in our own head, anything that we do from this moment on the rest of our lives is going to be hard at the beginning, messy in the middle, and it's going to be easy and elegant at the end. And that's just the way that it goes. On the other side, to answer your question in terms of this imposter thing. Okay. You know, Steve Pressman, is everybody familiar with him? Or at least you are? Because you and I are conversing right now. Pressfield, Steve Pressfield. He wrote... Um, a number of books, uh, The War of Art. Okay. Okay. Great, great guy. Great, great stuff. Anyway, he talks a lot about resistance, and I have kind of piggybacked some of the stuff that I've learned from him. But I can tell you this. Resistance is real. Resistance is probably harder to kick than a heroin habit. And, and I really mean that because it, when, it, when you're getting close to the finish line, that's when resistance basically fights the hardest. That's when it tells you the things that you can't do or don't deserve or whatever the case might be. I don't, to me, I, I really don't even want to converse this whole idea of imposter syndrome. I just want people to understand is that is natural. That is resistance. And we've given it these terms when in the reality is it's just, it's, it's a natural chemical reaction. It's something that's going on and everybody experiences it. So I want you to think about football for just a moment, okay? I played ball at Syracuse University. And I can tell you this much as a linebacker, when you get down to the red zone, when you got that last three yards and you want to keep the team from preventing from scoring, you dig your heels in and you're ready to basically do everything you can to block the opposition from getting across. Resistance is exactly the same way. As you get the last 10 yards, the last 10%, whatever the case might be, is always going to be the most taxing, the most difficult, the most demanding, whatever word you want to use, and that's just the way that it is. So what that tells you is a couple of things. There's a young guy, his name is Benjamin Hardy. He's written a book basically called Willpower is Nonsense and This and That. It's a bunch of bunk. There's a point in time where you have to power through, and your will, your determination your, your willingness and want, and want to have this result has to be stronger and more determined than that resistance, than whatever that thing happens to be on the other side. And you have to just work your way through it. You know, it, there's no other way. It's just, what, it's just what it is. So you have to be prepared for a fight. And, and I, I tell you, what, I believe that resistance exists for a very positive reason. Because it, show, it, it forces you to, to demonstrate your commitment. It forces you to demonstrate your heart. It, it challenges you to say, I'm not going to give in. I'm not, you're not going to get it easy. How badly do you want it? And it's really what it comes down to. So rather than think through all of that type of stuff, look at it as, you know, this is an intense competition. Reframe whatever that conversation is. And that's a better way of looking at it in my book. I like how you said, you know, instead of imposter syndrome, that's just resistance that's there because you're so close to the finish line. Like you said, at the red zone, that's when the defense kicks in and they want to be stronger and they bow up. 
And the, even the defensive coach brings in a different, a whole different group, the strongest people he can to make sure that the offense doesn't get to the touchdown. So I love how you reframe that. It's very true. You know, I, I didn't expect to even bring this point up, but I do believe that there are good and evil forces. There really are. And resistance is one of those things we need to put in perspective. But there are things that will try to stop you and prevent you and so forth. And it's, it's real. And, you know, you can fight it all you want, but it doesn't, doesn't make any sense to do it that way. This is why I really do believe strongly, you know, you've got to have an indomitable spirit. You've got to have just, there's nothing that could stop me from achieving this outcome. Let me leave you with this. Over your right shoulder, you've got this dream big, be grateful, and so forth. And uh, I just pass this on because I'm a, a, a big believer in kind of reversing the process. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you go to the store and you, you get an apple, we don't think where that apple came from. You know, and if, if it's a good supermarket, it's probably going to come from a local farm. Same thing with potatoes and the onions and everything else uh, is the way that way that is. And, and, I, and I, I try to remind myself and I always tell my kids, you know, next time you eat an apple, you know, just be just be grateful and thankful uh, before you take that first bite for the guy who planted the seed. Because somebody planted that with love, somebody planted that with intention. And that tree that maybe has been producing apples for 20, 30, 40, or 50 years in feeding thousands or tens of thousands of families. And we don't think about the truck driver and the, the forklift guy and the, the manager in the back and the grunts who pulled it off the truck and cleaned it out and stocked the shelves and everything else that comes along with it for you and I just to enjoy a simple piece of fruit. But uh, there is nothing better than having a, an attitude of gratitude and, mm. and thinking through how did this get to where it is into the, into the, into the, the shape if it is. And um, just, you know, just it's a good, good thing to remind. But what I want to say is I'm grateful and I'm thankful and I'm, I'm very appreciative for the fact that you guys made the investment you had me on. And, uh, I, you know, there's, there's a lot more good stuff to come. I think you're going to enjoy where the second half of this program goes. Yes, sir. And that's a great segue. And, and Gary and I did not talk, guys, but this is what I want to close out with. Just a quick story and a quick call to action for you guys. Baseball was my very first sport when I came over here. It was the first one my parents let me play in Little League. They thought I was too small to play football. In baseball, you know, I was a, a small guy and I was just I was just fast. And all I had to do was basically get the ball on the ground and I would try to outrun any ball that tried to get the first base. And I succeeded a lot. And so a lot of my hits were either line drives, uh, hard ground balls. And I would I've never hit a home run during my whole career in baseball. So all I knew was once I hit the ball, I started running as fast fast as I could and I would not stop until I get past the first uh, first home first plate or if I knew I was going to get extra bases I'd go hard around second and third well my senior year I got up to bat this was against Valdosta High School we were in our uh, senior year is the state playoffs I got up to bat and I'm left-handed you know I go through my routine like all good baseball players do every single time right before the pitch and I got up and I took my swing and all I heard was a 
the crack of the bat. And I knew I hit it hard, but I didn't know how hard, but I did what I always did. And I just ran and I ran fast first base. And my coach said, go, go, go. And then I ran the second base and I was just, I just had my head down and I was just so focused to get to second base. And then I started hearing people scream. And I was like, man, I looked, I didn't see the ball. I didn't see where the outfielders were. I said, man, I can get the third base. So I rounded second with my head down all the way and just going to third base. And then I look up and my coach is saying, stop, stop. You hit a home run. And I didn't, it, I didn't comprehend it. Yeah. But as I was rounding third, I saw all the people saying, slow down. And my, uh, my teammates were running out to congratulate me. And I said, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I just hit a home run and I yeah. was about two steps away from home plate before I actually kind of slowed down and started taking in the moment. So here's my thing, guys. We are all running right now, a hundred miles per hour. We got our heads down. We're focused on the goal. We want to hit the home run. We want to get the home plate. Here's my call to action for you guys. And, and Gary said this beautifully right before I just started talking. We need to make sure we take time to also slow down and be grateful for this journey. So here's my call to action for you guys. Because, because I had my head down so hard while I was running around the bases, I actually didn't get to enjoy that home run like I really wish I could have. And just look around and to take in the sights of, you know, the outfielders being upset because the ball went over their head to actually hear the crowd and to hear my mom and dad. So I want to make sure you guys are stopping to smell the roses, are looking up to see the home run that you're hitting. And that's why in the group, I put that number 111 or that time and I set that alarm. I actually set it for 1111 and 111. Every single day that alarm, I'm committed during this month. When that alarm goes off, I'm going to stop. I'm going to breathe. I'm going to give thanks and be present. And that's something I, I think, at least for me personally, I haven't done the greatest job of doing because, you know, this is the doer's journey. Got to do, 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 go, go, go. But we got to step back and really enjoy this life that we're living. And we have to do that intentionally. We can't enjoy things and be grateful accidentally. You got to be intentional when it comes to gratitude and being grateful, picking up the phone, saying thanks and sending out thank you notes, those sort of things. So I challenge you guys. I know it's kind of a dichotomy between going, 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 doing, doing, doing 100 day journey. But I challenge you here for the rest of the way, at least for the rest of this month, Let's take that time and you can set your own time. I've set it 11, 11 and 1, 11, but you set your time where you stop, you breathe, you give thanks and you just be present, be where your feet are at. You know, right now, all I'm thinking about is you guys. All I'm hearing is Gary's voice, seeing Doug, Brandy, Jadell. I'm where my feet are at right now because I want to focus. I want to get all of this in and soak it all in right now so I can get the energy from it. I can get the lessons that I'm supposed to get from it and just be where I'm at. So I challenge you guys, give me a thumbs up if you guys will do that and are willing to do that here on out. All right.
I appreciate you guys. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening to the Doer's Journey podcast. If you'd like to connect on social media, you can go to Instagram or Facebook and search the Doer's Journey podcast and we'll connect there. And also subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating. By leaving us a rating, you let us know how we can help you on your Doer's Journey and you also help other people find this podcast. Now go out there, make it a great day. And remember, don't just be a hearer, go out there and be a doer.